illegal participation on the defense. 15-yard penalty from the previous spot remains first down. This had better be a big play after all of that. Second down at eight, four and a half to go in the half, six nothing Beavers. Jonathan from the right hash from the zone 25, goes back to throw, and throws the out, and it's caught, and it's going to be a big play! Chad Johnson down the left sideline, nobody will catch Chad, and it's a touchdown 75 yards for the Beavers! This is the moment, and right here will tell perhaps all about that. Third and one and a half from the right hash. Simon's in the handoff, can't cut to the left, first down and more, 30, 25, 20, Simonton on his way, 10, into the end zone, touchdown Beavers, and the streak is going to end here tonight. The snap on target to Nick. he gets a much better punt away here, Sammy Strotter back to his 30 yard line, starts up the middle, gets to the 40, he's got a seam, 45 midfield, 45, 40, he's got a chance to go, 20, 15, 10, 5, touchdown. Welcome to Illegal Participation, the official podcast of the Heiner Tailgate. Recording this while firmly ensconced at the Heiner Tailgater headquarters, I'm your host and the big bald guy behind the grill, Bill Heine Heinrich. Joining me as always from Twin Pines Vineyards and Airbnb, the director of thermodynamic lipid immersion, my co-host and brother, the Beach. Beach, I got a question for you. What's your question? Average price per taco. I am down to 91 cents per taco. 91 cents per taco. So how many days in? How many tacos? I am in 11 days in, 11 tacos. Okay. Now, Did we talk about the taco pass last week? Yeah, we talked about the taco pass. Okay, okay. Just okay. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Okay. You, well, and then. You don't remember anything we talk about anymore. I never remember anything anymore. I, I talk so much anymore. Lay off the drugs. Head. I know I totally need to, you know, but I did want to say, you know, it's going to suck because you're going to release, you release this Tuesday morning though, don't you? Yes. Okay. Might have to try to put it out Monday night because I, I, I posted on my Facebook. If any of our listeners also like follow me on Facebook, but uh, Taco Bell, if you have the app on Tuesday in the morning, you can get a free breakfast taco if you have the app. Okay. Now I got a question for you. What's the question with that free breakfast taco? Will you count that in your taco count? I'm thinking it should count because it's still a free taco because I have the app. But it's not so part like, of the taco pass. But it's not part of the taco pass. Yeah. But but theoretically, I could use my taco pass for a breakfast taco. Yeah, but you're not using it for a breakfast taco. You're using it for another taco. I am. So you're going to count that as a bonus taco? I think it should count as bonus taco. All right. I just yeah. wondered. Because, I mean, theoretically, if I wanted to, I could have breakfast tacos every day from here on out. Yeah. If I wanted to. But I don't want to. I like Doritos. Local I don't tacos. know how their breakfast tacos are. You know, occasionally I've had one. I mean, I would say compared to like a McDonald's breakfast burrito, anything at Taco Bell's better. Mm-hmm. But 
I don't always, I don't know. It's, you know what I prefer to have at Taco Bell in the morning? What? A Doritos Locos taco. Oh, there you go. You know, I was yeah. surprised um, Saturday night. I know you stopped at the Taco Bell down the street from my house, and you they said they were closed, but you'd put in a mobile order, so they ended up giving you your taco. Dude, I was so ready to go ballistic. But why did they close so early? I don't know. I mean, so it was a it was ten fifty eight. Okay, so I get get to your house. Jess and I unload the pickup, get everything put away. And before I leave, I'm like, oh, you know what? I don't like to text and drive. If I can help it, I'm going to go ahead and order my taco from your driveway. Right. Yeah, which is and literally then, about what? Two minutes. Four, four, yeah. Four blocks. Yeah. Not very far at all. And so I order it and I, and I go in and, and because I checked with Google, I mean, you told me beach, I think it's open until two. I'm like, Google says it's open till yeah. three. Yeah. And I've and, always seen it open till two. I've never seen it open till three. Yeah. And, and so there's already a truck in the, in, in the window and I'm thinking, oh, good, no problem. Right. Cause I've had issues with that Taco Bell before one time. Yeah. And, and, um, so then the car, I, I take the car pulls in front of me into the driveway. So I'm like, okay, they got pole position. So this the gal goes up, goes right up to the window and you can hear, I had my window down and I could hear her say, I'm sorry, we served our last person where we're closed. And I'm like going. You sons of bitches, you sons of bitches, you know? And, and I mean, anyway, oh God, I was pissed. Yeah. I mean, I'm just sitting there. I'm like, going to have a freaking cheese sauce incident. This is going to be a freaking cheese sauce incident going on. I mean, I mean, I did my due diligence. That's what pissed me off is I did my due diligence. I, I, I checked, find out what the thing. And so then when she pulls up and she gives me the same dialogue and I'm like, I ordered a, I ordered off my app and I'm thinking, because I ordered off the app and the time I did, I'm wondering if they couldn't, you know, like it timestamps it, mm -hmm. you know, and then some owner might find out that they closed early if I really made the bitch. I can't imagine they would just, I mean, they must have the option of closing early. I know I've seen them close early when they had staffing problems, you know, a couple of years yeah. ago when everything was going yeah. to crap. Yeah. but Because um, I literally buy that, drive by that damn Taco Bell, you know, pretty much every day when I go home. Well, and it's a Saturday night. I mean, Friday yeah. and Saturday night, your late nights that you're going to stay open. Well, what's funny is I end up having to go into work for a couple hours after the game and then going back down and taking down the tent and then heading back home. So I wasn't getting home until after 11 sometime. Uh -huh. It wasn't much longer after you'd been through there. And I'm driving up and I'm, and I'm hungry, but I'm also physically destroyed and i'm thinking mm -hmm. man do i swing by there and get a taco you know and i'm thinking i'm kind of hungry but i don't know and i pulled up and usually when they close they'll turn off the lights on their menu in the mm -hmm. drive through yeah. but i pull up and that's on there's a car there but i can see the lights in the dining room are off uh -huh. but the light in the window that says drive through is off but I can see lights back in the kitchen. So I'm mm -hmm. like, are they closed? I don't know what's going on. And I'd forgotten about you stopping by there to get a taco, get your free taco. Anyways, mm -hmm. so I just said, screw well, it. I'm going home. And I went home, didn't even unload anything out of my truck and went upstairs, took a shower, went to bed. Well, I started going through contingency plans in my head right there in the drive. I'm like going, if these sons of bitches are closed, I need my taco. Well, there is, there is a taco bell in Independence. Is it open late? 
I would imagine so. It's a college town. I was going to say, nothing else to eat in Independence, so better. Yeah, well, Independence, Monmouth, I mean, that's a college town, so I'd imagine it's open late. Yeah. So if you turn east between the Burgerville and the Carl's Jr., fast food city here, between those two and head towards Independence, towards downtown Independence, it's right down there. It's a pretty, pretty new building. Okay, I, I, you know, and I think that Burgerville always closes early too, but Burgerville never stays open late. Yeah, Burgerville, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. They got, they've got weird hours. Got like, like old man's restaurant. Yeah. So. Yeah. All right. Anyways, well, glad you got your taco. Glad taco pass is going well. Yeah, yeah, and now we're coming up to, um, what's today, the fifteenth? Correct. That's when we're recording. Yes. Wow. When this airs, it will be the 17th which is the day the psychic told me that it's going to be something big happening you know what it is do i bonus taco (laughs) maybe that's what it is (laughs) bonus taco well no because she's well she wasn't sure she said it's either the 17th or the 27th now if she would have said the 17th or the 24th then it would be the bonus tacos because there's bonus tacos on both those days yeah, I don't I know. I think it's every Tuesday this month that you get the breakfast. Taco. I don't know. A bonus taco, so. maybe. Yeah, absolutely. So, okay. Well, what, Billy, what is our purpose? Our purpose of illegal participation is for us to talk beaver sports, tailgating, anything else we find interesting and silly every week. I want to remind everyone, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and almost every other podcatcher. Get in touch with us, HeinrichTailgator at gmail.com, at HeinrichTailgator on X, and HeinrichTailgator on Facebook. I, I was thinking, though, Billy, the reason why I couldn't remember it is I was only three days into the taco thing when we when we talked about it last. Oh, yeah, I, know I mean, you I'm now – I know, but we're only three days in. Now I'm pretty much committed to this thing. It's like I, I'm not backing out now. Oh, I know. People – and I don't think people – a lot of people don't understand you and I. If we set our mind to something, it's getting done. Oh, absolutely. If absolutely. I, if I say I'm going to do this, I will do it. Mm-hmm. You know, anyways. strong commitment. Exactly. All right, Beach. Uh, you ready to do a little bit of Beaver sports news for the week? Uh, uh, you know, Billy, I heard there was some amazing news in volleyball. There was on Friday, but there wasn't on Saturday. Well, Beach, in a five-set thriller, Oregon State stunned number nineteen Arizona State on Friday night in front of a raucous Gill Coliseum crowd. Liz Schuster and Amanda Burns combined for 49 assists to push the Beavs to the ranked win over the Sun Devils, who had previously dropped just one match. Nice. But then, Beach, Sunday afternoon came around. There's always a but, Billy. Every time there's a but. And Oregon State capped off a perfect weekend after a five-set win over Arizona. You're crapping me. Michael Vernon and Amanda Burns each tallied double-doubles to lead the Beavs to their second consecutive win of the season. Vernon collected 19 kills and a season-best 21 digs, while Burns had 23 assists and 10 kills. The Beavs are now 7-11 overall, 2-6 in the Pac-12, and will have their annual damn cancer match on Friday night when they host Stanford. First serve from Gill Coliseum is set for 7 p.m. and can be seen on the Pac-12 networks. Do, do a lot of people show up for that? Do a lot of people go to the volleyball games? I mean, a number of people do. It's not like a, a, a basketball game usually, but there's quite a few people show up. Okay. I mean, because you use the term, I think, a ruck, ruck, ruckus crowd? Ruckus. What, what did you say? What, what, how raucous. Did you say crowd? Raucous crowd? Raucous crowd. 
Yeah, I was I was curious on how big a raucous crowd is. Oh, I mean, you can have a few people and it can be pretty raucous. Okay. It's just their That's demeanor. Oh, okay. Lots of, lots of beer in that school. All right, Beach, you ready to talk some women's soccer? Uh, yes. Okay, got my visual. Go on. Well, Beach, Friday evening at Lorenz Field in Corvallis, Oregon State women's soccer team battled Arizona to a 0-0 yeah. draw. Oregon State held a 10-9 advantage on shots in the match, including an effort from McKenna Martinez that was deflected onto the crossbar. Haley Cole made three saves in the net for the Beavs as she posted her fourth clean sheet of the season. That means she didn't allow any goals. Okay, thank you. Yep, the Beavs are 3-6-5 overall. Clean sheets sheets mean something totally different for me. Yeah. Beavs are 3-6-5 overall. 0-4-2 0-4-2 in the Pac-12, and we'll hit the road next week to face Stanford on Thursday. Mm. Moving on to men's soccer. Logan okay. Logan Farrington scored his 10th goal of the season, but the Oregon State men's soccer team fell to number 17 Portland 2-1 Saturday evening in Portland. Farrington struck first in the first half to give the Bees an early lead, but the Pilots answered with a pair of second-half goals to take the win. Oregon State outshot Portland 13-10 in the contest. The Bees, 5-4-3 overall, 2-0-3 in the Pac-12, will return home on Thursday to take on Stanford. 5-4-3. Yep, that's their overall record. 5-4-3, and I'm knocking stuff all over the place here. Let's do some cross-country news. Okay. The Beavs were in Madison, Wisconsin for the Nutticombe Invitational. And the Beavs went there with something to prove. Now, after placing 26th at the same race last year, the Beavs outraced seven top 20 teams this year, including number eight Washington and number 10 Colorado, racing to a seventh place team finish. Mm. Redshirt senior Kaylee Mitchell led the chain led the charge with her fifth place result, shaving four seconds off her time from last season. Not far behind was Grace Featherstone Ha. The senior earned the number twenty two spot in her season debut. Up next, the Beavs compete at the Pac twelve championships at Chambers Bay on October twenty eighth. I, I just picture cross country in Wisconsin as running by a lot of cows. You know. Yeah, probably. Probably. Yeah. And it wasn't there a lot of lakes in Wisconsin or is that Minnesota? Uh, Minnesota's lakes. That's where the uh, LA Lakers got their name from. But yeah. But you know what state has more lakes than Minnesota? Uh, probably Florida, Florida, Florida has a bazillion yeah. freaking lakes. Yeah. Well, you, 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 you dig your, put your uh, shovel in the ground and dig up some dirt and you got a lake. Pretty much in that state. Yeah. So if we had that, uh, what's his face? I can't think of the congressman or senator. Probably is worried that the state's going to capsize. And oh, that over. one senator that talked about the the the, yeah. the island was going to flip over. Uh, Guam. Guam. Yeah. yeah. I'm a little, I'm a little worried about Guam. They're going to capsize. Everyone's going to go to one side and side, and the island will just capsize. Will, the island will capsize. Yeah. Uh, on to women's basketball. Beach just got a little bit of news here. Okay, because we haven't started. Have we started yet? No, 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 no. Okay. But 
Oregon State will provide fans with an opportunity to support Maui Wildfire Relief through donations to the nonprofit Hope Chapel at its October 29th exhibition game against Western Washington. Now the game, which is free this year as it has been in the past, will tip off at 1.30 p.m. Fans will have a chance to support the community on Maui, which supports the bees each year at the annual Maui, Maui Classic with an optional donation. Donations support Hope Chapel's emergency short-term programs that help families in crisis as the community recovers from the wildfires. Oregon State will host the Maui Classic in 2023 for the seventh time with the location to be determined by the staff and OSU's local partners. The tournament is hosted by OSU and Vertical Sports Maui, a local nonprofit that strives to inspire and equip youth through sports. Now, Beach, part of that tournament... So they, they, so they won't play at Gill? They'll pick a place? No. They're having the... You don't listen very well. So the first game is the preseason uh, non, you know, game before the season starts against Western Washington at Gill. Okay. But the Beavs also hold a tournament every year in Maui called the Maui Classic. Okay. Oh, but it moves around over there. Well, it's usually in one spot, but they're obviously going to have to figure out where it's going to be this year because of all the problems. But they're still going to have the event. Oh, okay. Okay. But well, part of hold burn, on, I thought it was the one town burned up, correct? But yeah. did Maui burn up? No, but they'll they'll be over there. They're trying to figure out where it's going to be because stuff's okay. still impacted all the place over the place over there. Okay. Now, part of the Maui Classic Beach is community service for the four participating teams. They volunteer with local schools to have um, to help out on basketball clinics, assemblies, or reading programs, depending on what's needed that year. Okay. So the 2023 Maui Classic features Oregon State, Texas Tech, Tulsa, and southeastern Louisiana. Well, that's kind of neat. Yeah. A little, little eclectic group of teams there. Mm-hmm. So, well, well hopefully, uh, hopefully things improve over there. Hopefully get a lot of donations. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Billy. Yes, Pete. You do that. I do. Excuse me. Hold on here. Billy. Yes, Pete. This just in. The University of Oregon Nike Air Force One is releasing on GOAT. On GOAT? Division Street... Division Street has once again tapped GOAT for an exclusive sneaker release. After delivering the Oregon Ducks-themed Dunk Low in April, the sports agency and the resale platform have unveiled a special University of Oregon Nike Air Force One low dropping soon. Today, Division Street and GOAT have announced that this University of Oregon Nike Air Force One colorway will be released on the resale platform in mid-October. The sneaker dons a simple white-based leather upper that's offset by green, hairy, suede panels on the swoosh, the tongue tag, and the sock liner. The Ducks' signature Zero logo is embroidered on the heel tab. Division Street is a collective that works with the University of Oregon student-athletes on name, image, and likeness deals. Thus far, Division Street has created a handful of limited sneaker releases ranging from the Air Jordan 8 to the Nike Blazer and the aforementioned Dunk Low. The money raised from the sales benefits Oregon Ducks student-athletes. This exclusive University of Oregon Nike Air Force One Low is scheduled to release on October 20th 
on the GOAT app, grab a closer look at the shoe online. So, anyway, yeah, isn't that nice? Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. It looks it looks like shit to me. You know what I don't understand on on shoes in general? There's like this whole I don't know if we've talked about this before, but there's this whole subculture of people out there yeah. that like invest in shoes. Yeah. And you, you know as I've gotten older and I look at stuff, stuff only has value if somebody's willing to pay for it, right? Yeah. And like I look at a shoe and a shoe does a, a, a job, right? It's like a like a shovel or a car. It you know, you put on your feet and you wear it. And granted there's different qualities and, and, and aesthetics and, and market, but how does it have value down the road? In a hundred years from now, who's gonna give a damn? We probably will have those self laces that Back to the Future told us we were gonna get, you know, thirty years ago. So how are we uh I, I just don't see who's going to want to buy these damn things. I, I don't, I don't. Either. Oh, they're a limited release. Okay. So they only build a, th- they're only making a thousand of them. Yeah. And then I love, I love how, I mean, the, 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 the tight relationship between Nike and division street, you know, to fund these, these players. And you know, it just gives Nike and even Nike slash Phil Knight an even easier way to direct funds, direct funds to, or to Oregon athletes. Yeah. Yeah. It's Yeah. I mean, that's so, always been the rumors, right? That yeah, that not, recruits they I, want got special shoes and. Mm-hmm. Well, well, and these ones here, they're just auctioning off essentially. I mean, going through go to resell them, then they'll take the cash and then they'll they'll give the money to the players and say, here, here you go, lovely, yeah. thanks for coming to Oregon. Yeah. I guess I mean no different than you know Utah buying trucks for all of their uh, their players. Yep. But it's just uh, it, it it just makes me wonder where this crap's going to end. I don't know. They've got to do something. I, I, I mean, pretty soon college players are, are going to be making more money than pro. Mm-hmm. And, and it, it, I don't, yeah, I don't know. It, it's a so, mess. It's makes messy. you wonder though, too, with, with this name image and likeness deals, does that also have, uh, what is it? Moral turpitude clauses to it? Something like, uh, Mel Tucker at Michigan state got uh, fired for. Yeah. You're going to have a hard, well, I, cause, cause I mean, you're giving these kids cash. You're saying, Hey, your name and your image and likeness, we're essentially buying from you, right? We're, we're renting your name and image and likeness. Yeah. Okay. And, and image, I guess I, you know, image is what you look like, but it's also, is it also your image? Well, you I, I don't know. And it Sona? depends. It depends, right? Do you want to do who wants to depends on who it is and will they stay associated with that yeah but i mean just think you got a bunch of young stupid horny kids <laughs> yeah that do a lot of stupid things i mean they do stupid things when they're in their 40s and 50s yeah but i think we can all agree when they're 20 it's a, even more stupid we a, yeah we do a lot more stupid things in our 20s than we do in our 40s and so it it, it makes me wonder if there's going to be moral turpitude clauses or or if there's potential i mean because essentially they're not signing these agreements with the university. They're signing them with Division outside, Street, right? An outside organization, correct. Yeah, who's funneling them cash. So, it's so interesting. Yep, I agree. Lawlessness. All right, Beach. Absolutely love. 
All right, Beach, let's so, move so, on. So I'm sure I'm sure all of our listeners are just dying to get their hands on these butt-ass, ugly, hairy suede shoes from Nike. They are ugly. They yeah. are freaking ugly. I, I, and I, I'm with you on the thing. I don't understand the whole shoe thing. I, I, yeah. I like shoes. I wear yeah. them almost every day. And yeah. I like shoes that look good, but I know I'm mm-hmm. going to walk them into the ground. Yeah. I, I beat and, the crap out of my shoes. But these people buy these shoes. I'm like, hey, look, I've got these shoes. I'm like, yeah. yeah. And I, I mean, and again, I can understand if we all had the same size feet, yeah. right? <laughs> but it's like, well, I got these shoes, but they're eights. Okay. They'll never fit me. They eight. do me no good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Who the frick wears eights, right? Yeah. yeah I, I mean, that's why I'm having trouble understanding how they have value if you got the size that only fits like 2% of the population. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> all righty, Beach. Uh, Let's go under further review for week number seven in the Pac-12. After further review, the runner did cross the line. The Touchdown! Week number seven. Week number seven. All right, Beach, I've got our picks from last week. Oh, let me pull up my little tab here. I got it here. Oh, don't, don't pull on your little thing. It, just leave it alone. It'll go blind. All right, um... Heading into the week, you were at 30 out of 44. Mm -hmm. Kyle, I hate you, Kyle. Kyle and I were at 34 out of 44. All right. And it looks like we had, what, five games to pick this week? Well, we'll start with the first game that was on Friday the 13th that night, Stanford at Colorado. And I completely missed watching this game, and I'm kind of depressed that I did because it sounds like the second half was a hell of a lot of fun. Well, Beach, who'd you take? We all took Colorado on there because we all thought – I don't want to say we thought primetime was great, but we all thought Stanford sucked. Correct. With a huge 29 to nothing halftime lead, the Colorado Buffaloes seemed on a course for a straightforward victory on Friday night against the Stanford Cardinal. But an incredible comeback, a record-breaking one, in fact, saw Stanford claim an astonishing 46-43 double overtime win. For Deion Sanders' team, it was the largest blown lead in the team's history, while Stanford enjoyed the biggest comeback in their school's history. And according to, Stan, uh, according to ESPN, Stanford overcame the largest halftime deficit in Pac-12 history to win. And it was also the fourth largest comeback in Pac-12 history. The Cardinals scored 36 points in the second half to tie the game and force overtime. The scores remained tied at the end of the first overtime before Colorado quarterback Shadur Sanders, who racked up 400 yards and five touchdowns, threw an interception in the end zone to give the Cardinals' Joshua Cardi the chance to kick a 31-yard field goal, securing a memorable victory. Now, Did they they run three plays before they kicked? uh, They ran a couple plays to get into field goal range and kick the field goal. Okay. Now... Stanford wide receiver Alec Aomainer with 13 catches at 294 yards, a school record, and three touchdowns played a huge part in inspiring the Stanford victory. Yeah, so uh, you're right. They did run three plays. So Stanford got the ball after the interception, ran Mm -hmm. three basically quarterback keepers to move the ball up about 12 yards and then kick the field goal. Gotcha. It was was, – you don't get a first down? You can get a first down. They got a first down, but they kicked the field goal on first down. 
Oh, okay. They were because you know what you do, Beach. If you have a chance to win it, you win the game. End it. Oh, absolutely. Yep. Yeah, you 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 don't run a play just for fun, like Mario. Exactly. Exactly. And so if you got you a know, straight shot on the if you got a straight shot on the goal, and you're well within your range of your kicker, well, yeah. Yep. So. Well, and it uh, Sanders threw that interception in the in the overtime, and. It was a horrible throw. I don't know why he threw the ball. As soon as he threw it, I was like, that's horrible. That's going to get picked off, and it did. And I think it got picked off because all week long it talked about how Sanders would rather take a sack than throw an interception. And I think personally think that got to him. Wow. So, And he should have just thrown the ball in the back of the end zone. But he, but he throw was, the ball he was, in the back of the end zone. Get, but at he least, was he was under pressure. He was going to get sacked. Well, yeah, but if he throws it out of the end zone, then at least you can kick a field goal on fourth down. Hey, um, remind me to talk about that when we get to the Beavers regarding that uh, that in, that incomplete pass slash intentional grounding. Okay, we'll talk about it. All right, Beach. Okay. Uh, so none of us got the win there. So even Stanford on a given day can make a comeback. Amazing. Amazing. Okay. Yeah. Next up beach Cal at Utah. Well, we all got sucker punched on this one because we all picked the little baby goats. We got sucker punched. Well, didn't Cal win this one? Utah defensive back. Sion Vaki ran. You got to listen to this. Sion, Utah defensive back, Sion Vaki, ran for 158 yards and two touchdowns, and Jaquin and Jackson rushed for 94 yards and a score to lead number 16 Utah past Cal 34-14 on Saturday. Utah quarterback Bryson Barnes threw for 128 yards and ran for 50 more and a touchdown. Now Barnes got his third start of the season after getting benched against Baylor in week two. Now Beach, Vaki who is also Utah's starting strong safety, averaged 10.5 yards per carry as the Utes amassed a season-high 317 rushing yards. He became the first defensive back to have a rushing touchdown for the Utes since Eric Weddle scored on a four-yard run in the 2006 Armed Forces Bowl. In that 2006 season, Beach, Weddle ran for 203 yards and five TDs, and that was a senior season, season there at Utah. And he played both ways that whole season. Now, a package of plays resembling what Weddle once ran was tailored for Vaki to boost a thin backfield decimated by injuries. Huh. So, you, you know, I, I, forgive me, because when we were in research, I thought I saw the uh, the ticker board up there. I mm-hmm. swore it said Cal beat Utah. Nope. Okay. But uh, so Utah used the week off to um, – implement a, a, a package for Vaki to run the ball. So he's their start, starting strong safety, but he's playing running back and had a hell of a first game at it. Wow. Yep. Now for Cal well, Beach. It, it, well, it was you who always told me, you know, you're, you're, uh, you, you recruit the best athletes from high school. You don't necessarily recruit them for the, the part they play. Exactly. Exactly. So. Now, for Cal, quarterback Fernando Mendoza threw for 149 yards and two TDs in his second career start for Cal. 
The Bears generated just 66 yards on the ground against a stifling Utah defense after averaging 216.8 over their first six games. Jaden Ott broke a pair of tackles after catching a short pass along the sideline and raced 48 yards to give Cal a 7-0 lead in the first quarter. The Bears converted two third downs on that drive, including Ott's scoring play, but failed to convert another third down until late in the third quarter. So, Mm. Beach, Cal only had 66 yards rushing against that Utah defense. Now, the the Beavs had 150-some-odd. That's crazy. Yeah. So, the the Beavs' offense is really, I think, the – the strength of their team this year. Last year, it was really that defense and then their running game. But this year, that offense is really balanced. Uh, yeah, I would I would agree. I just wish our defense knew how to tackle a little bit better. Well, we'll get to that. So we all got the point on that one. Next up, Beach, the big game for the week in, in college football, Oregon at Washington. And this one here, both you and I took the Huskies, but Kyle – Say it, Billy. I hate you, Kyle. Um, he picked. Uh, he apparently is a fan of the Ducks. Washington quarterback Michael Penix Jr. hit wide receiver Roman Dunze on an 18-yard touchdown pass with a minute 38 remaining after another debatable fourth-down decision by Oregon. And Oregon kicker Cam Camden Lewis missed a 43-yard field goal attempt on the final play as number seven Washington held off Oregon. 36 to 33. Now this was the 115th matchup between the rivals. And it was also the first that featured both teams ranked in the top 10, along with a couple quarterbacks in Penix and Bo Nix, who should contend for honor as probably the best player in college sports in the Heisman trophy. Now Penix needed just two plays to go 53 yards and 33 seconds after Oregon was stopped on fourth and three at the Washington 47 with 2:11 remaining. Penix threw a 35-yard strike to Jalen Polk between two defenders, then hit Odunze on a back shoulder throw at the goal line to give Washington the lead. Now that was Penix's fourth touchdown pass of the game and his second time connecting with Odunze, who had eight catches for 128 yards. Penix finished 22 of 37 for 302. He threw 26-yard touchdowns to Polk and Giles Jackson during a wild first half where the teams combined for five straight touchdown drives. Now for Oregon, Nick's had one last chance to get the Ducks into field goal range, and he reached the Washington 25 with 17 seconds left. Nick's missed on his next two passes, and on the final play, Lewis pushed the kick to the right, setting off a wild celebration of purple-clad fans pouring onto the field. And that's their uh, second win in a row. Washington, Washington over in Oregon? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. They finally, they had a really long losing streak there against the Ducks. Yes. And uh, hopefully it'll turn. I was going to say this is the last game. This is the last time. And they're like, oh, nope. Those bastards are leaving together. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So. Yeah. Good game. Wild game. It is a great game. So. All right. So. And, 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 I'm, and I'm thrilled with the outcome. Thrilled overjoyed ecstatic well with the ducks losing that's half of a perfect weekend yes yes it is next up beach we have two more games that we picked this week arizona at washington state this one uh and this one i know the outcome of um and this one we got gut punched on because i really thought 
Well, we all thought Wazoo, especially at home, would take this one. Yes. Arizona quarterback Noah Fafita threw for 342 yards. Jonah Coleman had 168 yards from scrimmage and three rushing touchdowns. And Arizona forced three turnovers in a 44-6 victory over number 19 Washington State on Saturday night. Now, the Wildcats scored 44 straight points to break through in a big way after nearly upsetting top 10 teams in the last two weeks. Because remember, Arizona lost last week in Southern California in triple overtime. And the week before that, they lost 31-24 to at home to Washington. Now, for Arizona, Fafita was 33 of 43 passing, but didn't throw for any touchdowns. All of Arizona's scores came on the ground. Coleman had 70 yards rushing and scored on runs of 1, 1, and 23 yards. Rashawn Luke rushed for 70 yards, including a 40-yarder for a score. And DJ Williams scored from 15 yards out. Coleman also had four catches for 98 yards. Now, the Wildcats outgained Washington State 516 yards to 234 and forced three turnovers and downs, grabbed two interceptions, and had one fumble recovery. Wow. So it really makes you wonder, man, did the Beavs catch Washington State's best shot? Yeah. In the two games since, that has not looked like the same Washington State team. It especially no, no. not looked like the same quarterback, right? Cam Ward has not looked like the same guy who was so efficient and quick and on the money against Oregon State as he's looked these last two games. Well, you know, and, and well, and I mean, there are those days where a team plays above their, their norm. Yeah. So maybe, maybe that's, um, cause I don't think the Beavs played particularly bad against uh, Wazoo. They had a couple of bad, bad series offensively mm-hmm. and defensively. But like yeah. I said, you put up a lot of points, you put up, I don't remember what the final score was, but they lost by three. Mm-hmm. So, anyways, Wazoo. And, and I'm just I'm I'm really surprised that they were able to beat Wazoo at home. I, I me too. So, me yeah, too. I mean, I could understand and, maybe down south, but and Fafita is basically the backup quarterback. Jaden Delora is their starting quarterback, and he's been hurt, and so it'll be interesting to see. I was re-listening to last week's podcast today, um, just mm-hmm. driving home from dropping mom and dad off at the airport. And, such a narcissist. and I had a hard time picking this because I sat there and, and literally thought, man, should I go to Arizona? You know, and, and what do I do? And if Jaden Delora was playing, I, I might pick Arizona, but he's not. And, and man, I should have picked it anyway. Mm. All right, Beans, last game for the week for us that we picked USC at Notre Dame for the bejeweled shillelagh. Oh, the old bejeweled shillelagh. Yep. Oh, that's a that's a trophy that you want to get every year. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, we all felt that um, Notre Dame was going to win because uh, USC's defense, well, they barely show up. Uh, they barely show up at the Coliseum, and uh, they sure as hell weren't going to show up and visit Touchdown Jesus. Well, Beach Xavier Watts intercepted USC quarterback Caleb Williams twice and returned a tumble and returned a fumble for a touchdown as number 21 Notre Dame handed number 10 Southern California its first loss in a 48-20 victory on Saturday night. Now, Benjamin Morrison had Notre Dame's other interception of the half, leading to Audrick Esteem's one-yard plunge that put Notre Dame ahead 24-3. to 
a week after wiping out a 17-point deficit to beat Arizona in overtime, the Trojans had no such comeback in them this week. Now, Williams had only been intercepted once on the air, but he was sacked four times by the Fighting Irish and finished with 199 yards and a TD. His hopes of becoming the second two-time Heisman winner, along with Ohio State's Archie Griffin, took a big hit. Now, coming into the game, the Trojans had been averaging 51.8 points, but they ended up with five turnovers and were limited to 92 yards rushing. The Fighting wow. Irish racked up 11 tackles for loss also. And that really, Beach Bays, that plays into what we talked about, right? That USC doesn't have much of a rushing game, right? Mm-hmm. Williams plays more like street ball than a stand-in-the-pocket yeah, quarterback. Than, than, typical, than typical college. Correct. And USC's defense is not very good. Uh, well, non-existent is more like it. Yeah. Um, and I, how is Notre? I don't think Notre Dame is all that great this year, though. We either. Uh, they, they? The, they they're ranked, but they had lost two of the last three. Yeah. So they were looking for a win too. Kind of came out, punched USC in the mouth. Oh, good. Could have happened to a better team. So they deserve it. Too, too bad they can't lose twice in a on a Saturday. All so. right. Well, after this week, Beach, you picked up three wins and moved it. 33 out of 49. Kyle, mm-hmm. hate you, Kyle. Kyle only picked up two wins, is at 36 out of 49, and I picked up three, and I'm at 37 out of 49. But the last game we will talk about, UCLA at Oregon State. And uh, it was a great game. Yes, it was. Oregon State quarterback DJ Uyunglele said the Beavers were able to overcome UCLA's tough defense with a balanced offensive attack. Touchdown on defense helped, too. Oregon State cornerback Ryan Cooper Jr. returned an interception 67 yards for a TD late in the first half, and number 15 Oregon State overcame number 18's UCLA's stalwart defense and held on for a 36-24 victory on Saturday night. Now, DJU went 14 for 24 and threw for 266 yards and two TDs. Kicker Attica Sappington cooked three field goals for the Bees, and Jack Velling caught three passes for 83 yards and two scores. Now, for UCLA, true freshman quarterback Dante Moore was only 15 of 38 for 168 yards and a touchdown pass, but he was intercepted three times, including the one that Cooper ran back for a score. And that Beach, was beautiful. This is that the third, third game in a row that Moore has been intercepted on the first drive of the, of the game. Oh, really? This is also the third game in a row that Moore has thrown a pick six. Wow. Yeah. Maybe he needs to focus more on the ground game on that first drive. Yeah. UCLA attempted to rally in the fourth quarter. Carson Steele's seven-yard run cut the deficit to 36-24. On the next series, the Bruins got as close as Oregon State 16, but a pair of penalties pushed them back. They went forward on fourth and 17, and the Beavers sacked Moore to end the drive. Now, going into the game, Beach, the Bruins' defense was holding opponents to an average of 12.2 points a game, rank, wow. ranking in the top 10 nationally. But the Beavs led 13 to nothing after the opening quarter. The Bruins have also held every previous opponent to under 20 points this season. And, Beach, they had only allowed five touchdowns, four passing and one rushing, fewest in the Pac-12 and second nationally to Michigan. But not anymore. Nope. Oregon State finished with 415 total yards 
including 133 rushing and 282 passing. Wow. So, Beach, I thought – now, we, we talked about it earlier. We both did not like how UCLA was able to effectively run the ball um, mm-hmm. after they started putting that second quarterback in, that Schlee. Yep. Uh, he was more of a running quarterback. But they kept running a counter play, and sometimes there were some big lanes where the guys were running free. Other times, the defense had the running back or the quarterback stuffed, and they just weren't finishing the tackle. Yeah, that's and and it wasn't just one or two; it was it was consistently the whole night. Numerous. I mean, a couple times. Yeah, in Temple times, you had two or three guys there that should have been able to pull to to pull the guy down. And all three of them blew it. Yeah. Had their hands on them and failed. And we saw that last week against Cal. Yeah. So that's yeah. that's concerning. Yeah. But I, I really like the play of our defense. As, Overall, as as, those are DBs. Yeah. I thought our oh, secondary played well. Absolutely. I really think yeah. the strength of this defense is their safeties. Absolutely. There's a lot of good, uh, a lot of good pass defense going on. Yeah. There was one play and dad pointed it out. It was towards the end of the game and UCLA was lined up and Oladapo for Oregon state came running up and did something. And as soon as he did that, Chip Kelly called a timeout because I think Oladapo was sniffing out what UCLA was going to do. And he came in and threw a wrench in it and, and Chip had to, call a timeout because they were going to run right into it. So. Well, but, they, uh, they, they, that, that pick six at the end was, that was, was great. beautiful. Well, it was funny. As I mean, soon as he threw that ball, I saw Cooper start to accelerate to get in front of that wide receiver. And I was like, oh, he's picking that. And there was nobody in front of him. He caught that thing basically on a dead sprint. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah. So, yeah. well, and then there was the other one where they knocked it down that uh, the long one where he just turned around right at the right second. Yeah. And uh, swatted that ball down. Oh, no, there's some great defense. Yeah, you're right. Uh, Because it looked like he was beat, and he kind of had a hand on the guy, but what saved him on that play was he turned around, looked at the ball, and and hit the ball. Mm -hmm. um, Offensively, I would have liked to have seen a little more rushing. That said, UCLA's got a very good uh, front seven to stop that. And actually, that defense has been playing really well, but – Man, I don't know what the Beavs were doing, but they had receivers running free several times. Mm-hmm. Um, Velling got yeah. wide open. I, I really liked how DJU played. His passes are so crisp, and he knows how to power it in there or to feather it in there. There, there was a couple, though, where I thought he was throwing picks. Uh, who was the one where he well, floated that son of a bitch I, I, up I th- and he had to go about, about five feet in the air to grab yes, it? Yes, he threw two bad passes I saw. One was almost picked off by the linebacker, and it bounced off him and bolted and caught caught it off the carom. Oh, which, yeah, which, yeah <laughs> right. And uh, the other one was when uh, DJ was running to his left, and he had Velling running up the right side wide open, and he had to throw back across his body off his front foot, mm-hmm. and the ball just floated up there, and it allowed a couple DBs to come up. But Velling's so tall – and he did a great job where he basically went up like a basketball player, boxed the defender out, and went up and got a rebound is what it looked like. Mm-hmm. So it ended up being okay. But it's one of those things like, dude, you can't throw 
you can't throw the ball away like that. You know, run the ball, get your couple of yards, and it worked out okay there, but that's not something you can do all the time. Okay. Hey, no, no. Let let's go back to the the couple of controversial calls towards okay. the end of the game. Okay, I'll okay, give you my so opinion. For, yeah, first first one we already discussed during the game, but but in case the other people didn't, uh, let's go back to the non roughing the kicker call. The roughing the punter Sorry. call. Okay, yeah. so um, green for Oregon State, and and a lot of people know this. They don't exactly know what it's called, but it's called a rugby style punt. So it's when the punter who's dropped back to receive the, the snap gets it, and he'll usually run to his right or a left and kind of punt it while running. So if, if you ever watch rugby, it looks like how they would kick the ball. Mm-hmm. So once you grab the ball and start running, if you get outside the tackle box, which is basically from one tackle on one side to the tackle on the other side, so your offensive line, you have the center in the middle, you have guards beside them, and then you have tackles. So between the tackle and tackle, if you get outside that box and you're and you're doing that rugby style punting, you're no longer considered. You you don't have the same uh, protections that a punter who's just dropped back to punt have. You're considered a runner at that point, even though you can still punt the ball. You're considered a runner, and you're not afforded the same protections. My only question about that play was: Was he outside the tackle box? Yeah. Yeah. So the, he did make the move, but if he wasn't outside the tackle box, then at that point, he's not a running threat, theoretically. Correct. Well, he's yeah. still running. I, he I can mean, still I, run. I understand the, yeah, I understand the purpose of the rule, though, because it's essentially you could. Well, do you, do you, you remember could, last you could take year? Advantage of, you could take the advantage of, of the guys thinking they are going to be less apt to. To I, tackle you for fear of the. I can't hit it. So a good a good analogy to this is I don't know if it was last year or two years ago, it was a game. It might have been last year. I think it might have been TCU, um, in their Big Twelve championship game. It might have been that. But the quarterback, they they, he goes they and he, makes a false. Well, he went to start and he made a motion like he was going to slide, because mm-hmm. then you get that protection. But he started doing it. So as soon as he did it, the defenders held up but he didn't slide and he ran past him. And as soon as that happened, I went, well, there's a new rule that'll come into next year because you can't let, you can't let that be a unfair advantage for the offensive player at that point. It's like a, it's like a Bach. Yeah, exactly. Where you're making the, the making it, I'm going to do this. So you can't touch me. Just kidding. Now I'm going to run. So, Uh and they did, they, they changed that rule. So you can't do that anymore. If you make a motion, like you're going to slide, then you're done right there. Yep. And you're done right there. The play's dead. So, but that, that's what happened here with this. So, you know, there is that rule that says he doesn't have those same protections. My only question is, was he outside the tackle box? I don't know. He had run a little bit, not sure, but I never saw a replay of the play on the screen. So, okay. Now, what was the other play? uh, uh, The other play was the, what we thought was intentional grounding because there was no receiver next to where he threw the ball. So, so when uh, Dante Moore, yes. And my thing was he was still in the tackle box. He was mm-hmm. in the tackle box. The ball did not go past the line of scrimmage, and there was no receiver in the area. So that was a blown call. I th- to me, it should have been. Because yeah. the only thing around him were, were linemen. Mm-hmm. There yeah. Because I watched that it. one on the big screen, exactly. and there was nothing there. Well, and see, yeah. I watched it, and I thought, well, maybe there was a back in 
you know, a running back in there that was blocking and giving him some protection. So technically you've got a receiver in the area, even though he might not even be looking at you, you still have quote unquote a receiver in the area, but there was nothing. It was all linemen. That was a blown call. My other call that I had a problem with was um, where Oregon state got called for roughing the passer. That one was ridiculous. I agree. And at Oregon state had gotten a great punt off had kind of pinned UCLA deep. UCLA was trying to make a little bit of a comeback. And it should have been a loss of about nine yards. Instead, it was 15-yard personal foul and automatic first down. And so, I mean, we all saw the play. We, it was right down in front of where we were. Mm-hmm. He never – he had the, the defender, the beaver, kind of was getting kind of blocked by the quarterback, but he reached out with his right arm and put his hand from behind him – across his upper chest and then just kind of pushed him down. Mm-hmm. Right. Pulled, right. That was more of a pull down, but well, yeah. what, whatever, pulled him down, whatever. Yeah. Um, Knocked but, him down. but still he, he wasn't, he didn't hit him in the head. He didn't nope. grab him by the, the back of the shoulder pads and a horse collar. He didn't just mask him. No. And they called roughing the passer. But my problem with that is he never threw the ball. He still had the ball yeah. in his hands. So, so how I, I don't understand how that's get, roughing the passer. Because he's not a passer at that point in time. Well, he hadn't passed. Yeah, exactly. That's Usually the if there's a, a roughing the passer, they have yeah, to the throw the released. ball and then you get hit. Yeah. Or you get hit you know, you get hit up in the head as you're yeah. releasing the ball. He hadn't yeah. he hadn't thrown the ball. So it made no sense to me. One, it was just a bad well, call. And two well, how, it was the it was the back judge who called it. Well, and it was I, the, I don't know if it was the white hat or the center judge. Cuz okay. you have you have two guys behind I, the I, offense I now. I don't think I don't think they had a very good view of what the hell went on. Well, I think it was the white hat that threw that threw it the referee, but I didn't see I don't know what the hell he was looking at. I didn't see it that way at all. But that's yeah. that's just a, a weird call. It made no sense to me. I I I still am shocked that they didn't do the intentional grounding one because that one is is usually pretty obvious yeah you know? now that said even if it had been intentional grounding he would have lost four or five yards but it was still four or five yards right yeah because intentional grounding the ball is spotted at the spot of the foul and lost it down okay so if you basically intentional grounding they basically say like, you should have gotten sacked right there that's where the ball is going to be and you lose the down Okay. So, but yeah, that was just those those three calls right there. I found um, weird. Mm-hmm. So, and we had a great tailgater. The tailgater was fun. Excellent tailgater. I think everybody liked the danger the danger dogs. I I uh, I thought uh, you know I was a little disappointed in you because you made me go to the grill, and I don't believe grilling is part of my job description. I write the job description, Beach. Well, I just I, I make me get to the grill. It's not it's not my thing. So I'm the direct uh, director of dynamic thermolipid immersion. Yeah, there was a lot of bacon grease on there. It's ba- ba- was, it was basically I, lipid immersion. You know, I was not lipid immersion. I was not immersing in it. But you know, you also bake stuff. That's not lipid immersion, and you've that's been going on for years, and you've never had a complaint. So I think we're just expanding out your duties. Wow, 
He said duties. So I thought the churros were great. People love those. Yeah. And our new little oven. I don't know if people know the the uh, tail of our of our little oven that we got. Yeah. So don't so, you know we got our oven? So people don't know. I walk a lot. I need to move my body. I tend to walk. I walk anywhere from about five to seven miles a day outside of my job. I'll just walk all the time. I've got about a four mile, a little less than four mile uh, path I have here in Dallas. I have about a three and a half mile path I have in Corvallis. And I'll do those usually once to twice a day at least. So over the summer, I was in Corvallis. I got done at work. I'm like, I'm going to go on a, told myself I'm going to go on a walk before I go home, head out on my walk. And I'm just walking along and I walk by a house and out in front of it is this oven. And it's kind of a, it's a commercial grade little oven, the kind you'd see at like a, maybe like a little snack stand at like a bowling alley or, you know, something where they're not going to be put in big commercial grade ovens, just a little countertop, you know, timered oven that's just there to, you know, bake cookies or, you know, maybe cook a frozen pizza type stuff. Mm -hmm. Anyways, I see it and as I'm walking by it and there's a sign on it that says free and it's just sitting in this grass in front of this house and I walk by it and I see it and I was like, what the heck? And I walk over and I look at it and I'm looking at the outside of it going like, that thing looks brand new. There's not a... And and you're sure it said free and it wasn't like just recently dropped off by the Amazon truck and it was just too late. There There was no box. It was sitting open with a piece of paper that said free on it. And it was in the grass. It wasn't like up on somebody's patio, right? And so I'm looking at it, and I'm just, there's not a mark, there's not a fingerprint on it. And I, God, that thing looks brand new. So I walked back to it, and I opened no, no. I, I opened it up, right, because it's got a little kind of handled rack that you put the stuff on to, to get it, to put it in the oven. And I pulled it out. There's no crumbs in it. There's nothing in it. That rack has never been used because there's no discoloration. And the instructions are sitting right there inside it. And I was like, son of a gun, this thing's brand new. And of course, my first thought is, dude, we could totally use this thing at at the tailgater. But then I'm thinking, (laughs) and I'm probably, I don't know, uh, three quarters of a mile from from Woodstock's. I'm like, do Mm -hmm. I want to walk this back, carry this thing back to the shop? And I'm like, no. So then I thought, okay, screw it. I'm going to leave it here. I'm going to do the rest of my walk. And when I leave, I will drive by here, and if it's still here, then I will grab it. So I do my walk, maybe a little bit faster than I normally would, get back to the shop, mm-hmm. grab all my stuff, jump in my truck, take off, drive over, and sure enough, it was still sitting there. Okay. So I grabbed it, threw it on the back seat of my truck, drove home. And it was summer, so I get home, and I'm grabbing some stuff out of my truck. Jess hears me open the garage door. She comes out to say something to me. And I pull this oven out of the truck. And her first thing she said was, what did you order? And I looked at her and I said, I didn't order anything. Or no, she goes, what did you buy? And I go, I didn't buy anything. And she goes, well, what did you order? And I said, I didn't order anything. So then she said, what, did it just fall off the back of a truck or something? And I said, it might have, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I told her the story and she laughed because she knows how I don't deal with used stuff. Right. Yeah. Like if you gave me something here, Billy, I don't need this. 
you you can use it. I would take it, right? If a friend of mine gave me something, Billy, I don't I don't need this or this might work for you. Here you go. Be it clothing or whatever. I'm more than likely okay with that. But when it comes to going to Goodwill and buying something, I can't do it. It weirds me out. Mm-hmm. I don't even like walking into Goodwill. It just weirds me out. I don't know why. You know, that kind of stuff. Just, ugh. I don't want uh-huh. someone's dirty old crap. Anyways. Uh, so, same reason why I don't like eating potlucks. Yeah, I understand. I don't do potlucks either. Yep, same reason. But anyways, <laughs> so uh, we got it. And so this is the first game that we brought it out. Because I was like, let's do some churros. Because we had a box of churros. And son of a gun, I think they worked great. No, actually, much much better doing the churros on that and the uh, and the um, pretzels pretzels yeah than than in the Traeger much much faster mm-hmm. and uh, much easier for me. Well, and I have to say too that after this tailgater, we had the beer cheese out there and the nacho cheese. The beer cheese went like crazy; hardly anyone touched the nacho cheese. So I think in what is it three or four weeks when we do Sausage Fest, I'm not mm-hmm. going to bring nacho cheese. We're just doing beer cheese. I think so. Yeah. That beer cheese that you get, I don't know where you get it from, but that crap's amazing. Isn't it good? It's delicious. Yeah. Well, and I and I tried both of the cheese sauces. Mm-hmm. Um, on just on the pretzel, I didn't try them yeah. on the uh, on the one side. I sampled them on the pretzel, and uh, and put it on the pretzel. I dipped one side into the into the beer cheese. I'm like, oh god, this is good. Dipped the other one in the nachos. I'm like, oh, it's nacho cheese, a little spicy, but it didn't it didn't accentuate the the product. It no. accentuated itself. Exactly. So, and uh, no, the beer cheese complemented it. The, uh, the nacho cheese just overpowered it. Yep. All right, Beach. Well, we need to get moving here. Anyways, okay. great tailgater. Two more to go this season, and I'm looking forward to it. Oh, absolutely. Sausage yep. Fest is the next one up. So. Yep, yep, yep. All right, Beach, let's talk about the Pac-12 in the polls. Okay. Polls came out on Sunday morning in the AP poll. Washington, with their win over Oregon, moves up two spots to number five. Oregon, with their loss to Washington by three points on the road, only fell one spot to number nine. Oregon State, with their win, moved up three spots to 12. Utah moved up two spots to 14. USC, with their loss to Notre Dame, and after having struggled two weeks before that, dropped eight spots to number 18. And UCLA, with their loss to Oregon State, dropped seven spots to 25. And after their loss, Washington State fell out of the top 25, but they are still receiving votes. And in the USA t- or in the coaches poll, Washington again at number five, Oregon at 11, Oregon State at 13, Utah at 14, UCLA down to 25, and Washington State and Arizona are in the others receiving votes category. And I have to say, Beach, number 12 rank for the Oregon State, that's their highest rank since 2012. Really? Yeah. Highest AP well, rank it's, it's still impressive that we've got uh, six six out of the 12 teams still ranked in the top 25. Uh, well, we've got one, two, three, four, five. Uh, is that right? Five teams ranked. One, two, three. No, because you we have... Yeah, you're right. Six teams. Six teams yeah. and... and seven or eight getting votes. So that's still pretty good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, well, Beach, cool. it is now time for the Tommy Tuberville. What's he think I look like? A jackass? You sure do. <laughs> jackass of the week award. Every week of the discuss a person in college football who exemplifies the truly worst in sportsmanship, 
leadership or just being a fan of beach. I've kind of stayed off this guy, but now we're going to give him some. Okay. Well, who is this guy and what are we going to give him? We're going to give him the Jackass of the Week award beach. And this is going to PAC 12 commissioner, George Klyvkov. I hate this dude. Yeah. So he is the current commissioner of the PAC 12 and uh, everything we hear more and more. He's just kind of a jackass. So beach this last week in the, seems, seems like he's playing the game for himself uh, or for other, not, not uh, sounds like he's might not be a, depends on what team he's playing for, I guess I should say. And I don't uh-huh. think he's, he's uh, playing for Oregon state and, Wa- and uh, Washington state. So beach last week, UW Washington asked to be joined as a defendant in the lawsuit of Oregon State and their and Washington State and their respective presidents against the Pac-12 conference and George Klyvakov. Now, Oregon State and Washington State didn't object, so uh, UW is now in that case as a defendant. But, Beach, the interesting point in this thing was during the discovery process, it came out that uh, the Pac-12 is being sued by a couple of former executives. These executives were fired because there was a problem with overpayments by Comcast to the Pac-12. So and Comcast, so the, hold and, on, and the, hold what, on. Comcast okay. pays money to the Pac-12 to carry the Pac-12 network. They overpaid the Pac-12 by, I want to say, about $50 million bucks. Wow. Yeah, it might, it might be 72 It might be 72 It's a lot of money. And it wasn't discovered until after it had happened for a while. These executives were fired because they should have known it, was, known it was going on. And so that's part of what this. Executives with Comcast? The executives with the Pac-12 network. Oh, okay. They were let go because of it. They are now suing the Pac-12 because of that termination. Okay. That's beside the point. The Pac-12 schools have to repay that money. And it comes out to like, I want to say about $7 million a school, 6 or $7 million a school will be owed. Again, okay. beside the point. In that lawsuit by those old employees against the Pac-12, Clive Koff had to give a deposition. And that deposition has now come to life or come to light in that deposition. Clive Koff admitted that as soon as USC and UCLA said they were leaving for the big 10, they were no longer allowed to vote on the board. So he, he, in that he established the precedent which and means he, once you announce your exit. And no he stated before. in that deposition against, you know, which is if he says that's otherwise, then that would be perjury under oath. That's what he said was the, the what they did. So it's just a big, because he's claimed, he this, because he, he's he saying that was not, was he saying that was not true? He had, he has claimed since then when everything fell apart, and they were trying to do the big board meeting with all 12 teams. That's not what, that's not what we did, you know, that they weren't, mm-hmm. but he admitted that's exactly what they did Okay. under oath. And it's just a little more. Yeah. Another bullet in uh, Oregon state and Washington state's gun. 
why would Washington want to be put on as a defendant with the Pac-12? Because they oh, are yeah. saying they could be adversely affected by the outcome, outcome of the of the litigation. So they should be they wanted to be joined as a as a member on it. Okay. But no other team has done that. Just not them. yet. Not yet. No. Okay. I think I mean, I, I don't know what's going on, but all those teams could just be working together through UW. Gotcha. There you, you know what I mean? They, they're, all there, but they're all there, but they just need one team to be representing yeah, the whole I, group. I would imagine that's what it is. I don't know, but I would imagine okay. that's what it is. But anyways, so yeah. And with the fact that it's filed in Washington court, might have made sense to have Washington do it. Exactly. So anyways, I just found that interesting because Klavkov has said otherwise publicly since then. But... Klavkov, for putting your balls in a vice under oath, you get this week's. <laughs> Jackass of the Week Award. So there you go. We'll kind of keep it's an update. Time. We'll see what's going on. There's Stuff should be happening here in the next couple weeks. Although it has been said that they are under um, looking at some kind of mediation. So even though the the lawsuit's out there, the parties mm-hmm. could be working together to come to some kind of uh, deal, mm-hmm. which which is still a possibility. Which which is fine. I mean, essentially, you just didn't want majority tyranny going on. Correct. With with these teams exiting, saying we're just going to dictate the dissolution of the of the conference and we're going to take our cash and run. Yeah. And and screw the the last two teams. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So. Moving on to this week's musical interlude, Beach. it is now my pick. Yeah, what's your pick, week? Billy? Well, you know, Beach, this is the last season of the Pac-12 as we know it. And mm-hmm. the Beavs, since they opened at Washington State, who's still in the Pac-12 after this year, mm-hmm. after that, it's actually the uh, farewell tour of the rest of the Pac-12 for Oregon State. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And so, Beach, I thought we would talk about this song that was uh, sung by an American band from their third studio album. Now, it was released on January 17th, 2000, as a lead single for the album. The song was written and produced by Christian London and Jake Schultz, with additional writing by Andreas Carlson. Its lyrics describe the end of a romantic relationship. It was also reported to also reference the group's separation from their original manager, Lou Pearlman, and their record label, RCA Records. Do you know who Lou Pearlman is, Beach? He's the guy who put together all of the boy bands back in the uh, 90s and 2000s, wasn't he? Correct. So Carlson... The big heavyset guy. True. True. Um, I believe he's in prison now. Yeah, because he was, yeah, he was an interesting guy. Yeah, he was a piece of crap. Anyways, Carlson wrote those songs' lyrics while he was taking a driver's test in Stockholm, Sweden. Now, the song was intended to be recorded by an English boy band called Five, but they rejected it as they wanted to become a rap band. <laughs> now, this song was a commercial success, peaking at number four on the U.S. Billboard Hot 100 and within the top ten in almost every country in which it charted. The song received a Grammy nomination in 2001 for Record of the Year, but it lost to U2's Beautiful Day. 
So Beach, with Oregon State being 2-0 in the Pac-12 Farewell Tour. And there's a good chance they will never play UCLA or Bitch Tits Chip Kelly again. Here is Bye 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 by NSYNC. I just had to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like I, that know, song. I like that song. Don't get me wrong. I, like I, that I was going to say that's the only NSYNC song that I think I know. Yeah, it's just so, a good song. Yeah. My, 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 my age group, uh, my, the only boy band that I ever would have listened to would have been uh, New Kids on the Block. Uh, so what about um, oh, New Edition? I never listened to New Edition. Really? 
Yeah. Mr. Telephone Man. Bobby I Brown. Mean, I, I that would have been the only song I listened to of them, but I never was was yeah. Okay. So I I if, if I listen to one song, but and then well and then they became um that girl is poison. Bell Bell Biv DeVoe, yes. Three, yeah. three after Bobby Brown left and they did a couple other things, uh those three went on to film form Bell Biv DeVoe. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But I mean if they had if they had MTV play back in the eighties when MTV still and maybe early nineties when MTV still played music, mm-hmm. um, I would have caught them. But other than that, I I didn't really listen to, to those that I never listened to Z one hundred. Yeah. You know, and all that stuff was Z one hundred. I mean, unless it was KGON or KUFO or I think those were pretty much what I listened to back in those days. Yep. Well, we need to get moving on here, Beach. Week number eight in the Pac-12. You ready to talk about it? Week number eight. Yeah. Yes. Let's do this. All right. Uh, we've got four games. They're all happening on Saturday, October 21st. First okay. up, Washington State at Oregon. Oh, Again, this does not reflect my opinions of the team, um, but I will take Oregon. Well, Kyle sent us an email. And he said, what did we learn from last week? That any team in the Pac-12 could beat any other team on any given Saturday or Friday evenings on occasion, which is true. Wazoo at Oregon, blinded by Patchouli. Ward keeps throwing interceptions. Ducks, so he's picking Oregon. I, too, am going to pick Oregon. But I'm going to root for Wazoo. Yeah, absolutely. you got to root for the Pac-2. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Next up, Utah at USC. Um, I'm thinking <laughs> I'm picking little baby goats on this one. Okay, Kyle says, baby goats don't find the end zone enough. USC. Really? I'm going to take Utah. I think that defense is too good. Mm-hmm. That defense is tough, pure and simple. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think that pass rush is going to get to Williams. Mm-hmm. And I like that wrinkle they they did with bringing in that uh, safety as a running back. I think that's genius. And I love that they went there with their, with their uh, bye week. So two more games, Beach. Arizona State. At Washington. Oh, I'm thinking the uh, Huskies are going to go uh, get their second win here. Uh, well, actually, how many wins in a row is that for them? In week eight, eight weeks, eight wins in a row this season. So I think they'll get their eighth win, seventh win, wherever they're at. I think seventh. I think they've had a week off. Yeah, I, I'm thinking the Huskies are going to. I just don't see ASU having much. I, too, am taking you, Dub. Kyle says, Huskies mistake the Sun Devil for a fire hydrant. Huskies. Going to pee all over them. Yep. Last up, Beach, UCLA at Stanford. Well, I think bitch tits. Chip Kelly will uh, get it back on, back, uh, back going again in the right direction, and they'll uh, they'll beat Stanford. I, so. too, and t- I <laughs> too, I'm taking UCLA. Kyle says, Stanford can't make the upset two weeks in a row, UCLA. That's what I was, was going to say. And Kyle says, I just wish Arizona wasn't also on a bye week, so there would be more tape on Fafita. Yes, so Arizona is on a bye week this week, too. So they're both going to get some rest. Beavs need some rest. They've got some guys nicked up. Mm-hmm. So 
We need to get some guys back. I didn't not I, – I, I don't know if people realize we were missing our starting center, Jake Levengood, for that whole game. And I'd like to see him back. Because didn't our center get called off sides? Uh, there was several. There were several um, false starts. False starts and that kind of stuff. And I always wonder if that's just snap count, snap issues, mm-hmm. where it's just a little bit of a different cadence. You know, where that that center has just waits a half a second, you know, half a beat longer to snap it than Levin Good does because that's just his rhythm. So, but I don't know. So are there four teams in bye weeks this week? Uh, yeah. Oregon State. Correct. Arizona. Arizona. Uh, Cal. Uh, correct. And uh, Colorado. Correct. Okay. Yep. Interesting. And we'll have the Washington State at Oregon game on at twelve thirty on ABC. So that's cool. Hold. Okay. Okay. Yep. Oh, that'll be nice. Yep. Them at twelve thirty, so. and then you've got uh, Utah USC at five on Fox. Hmm. Beach, we didn't talk about too. I thought Aiden Childs looked great in his series uh, against UCLA. Now, did you say he could only play this nope. season? Or that? He is no longer can no longer redshirt this season. Okay. Okay. Yep. He. He has played he in enough his, games. He popped, he, he popped his cherry. Correct. He has played enough games that he can no longer redshirt. Okay. But he's been looking great in those series that he's been coming out. For a, a true yeah, freshman, yeah. just his his uh, confidence and just, you know, he just, the way he carries himself and just, and how he's played, he just looks, he looks very mature out there. I was going to say, you typically don't see an 18-year-old or 19-year-old out there um, with, um, yeah, with that much poise, uh, surety. Yeah. yeah, just poise. I thought DJ's poise has been looked really great too. Like I said, for the most part, making good decisions and mm-hmm. and throwing the ball well, and just he seems like a very steady quarterback. Like he doesn't get too too jacked up. He doesn't get too down. He just you know right down the middle get- plays. No happy, no happy feet or anything like that. No, He's, no. Yeah, and I you know, agree. you you need guys that are going to be emotional leaders that'll get people filed up, and and you know, get that going. But you also need leaders that you can look at that have that kind of quiet confidence about them. Mm-hmm. That can also rein those guys in, bring it back in, and go, okay, guys, calm down. Now we're going to go finish this. So I just I've been really impressed with him. Mm-hmm. Um, good first half. Beavs are six and one. You know what that means, Beach? We are now bowl eligible. Bowl eligible, and no one's really talking about it. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Uh, now the now the goal is to get the best bowl we can get. Correct, correct. Get to the best bowl you can. So, and at this point, uh, you've got uh, Washington is the only team still undefeated in the pack. No, USC is at four and zero. Because oh, the only games that matter are conference uh, are games. Conference games. Uh, out of conference games will matter in tiebreaker situations, but to start, just conference games. So USC is at four and zero. Washington is at three and zero. Oregon State's at three and one, and Oregon State's at two and one. Utah's at two and one. 
So Oregon State right now is in third place. And looking good. Yeah. And it also means Oregon State is bowl eligible before Oregon. Because <laughs> they're only 5-1. and one. But Oregon will catch up this weekend. Yeah, well, if, if they beat Washington State. Yeah. So. Well, and you never know. Washington State, I, I, Washington State could surprise them. Correct. I, I would put Oregon and Oregon State at very similar, uh, very similarly capable teams. And even though Washington State hasn't been showing it, I think Washington State has it in them if they want to, if they bring it. Yeah. So, so Oregon State remaining has Arizona, Colorado, Stanford. So Arizona, Colorado on the road, Stanford at home, and then end with Washington at home and at Oregon. So those two tough games. All those games are tough, but mm-hmm. uh, those two at the end are really tough. Oregon yeah. has a home against Washington State at Utah, home against Cal, home against USC, at Arizona State, and then home against Oregon State. That at Arizona State game is interesting because Arizona State's coach was a coordinator for the Ducks last year. Mm. Yeah, their head coach. So he might have some insight on Oregon. I, I was going to say, might have a little bit of an advantage. Yep. Now, USC, they finish up with Utah at Cal, Washington at Oregon, UCLA. Wow. That's... So that's, that's uh, one, two, three, four. Four out of their five games are ranked teams. Yeah, USC's not going to get out of that unscathed. I don't think so either. Yeah. And then Washington, I think, actually has the best shot now. They have Arizona State at Stanford at U. Oh, actually, they still have. So, actually, Washington still has. They still have at USC, home against Utah, at Oregon State, and home against Washington State. So So there's still still some good football left to be played. Really. Yeah, nobody's got a gravy schedule for the most part. No. Uh, through the rest of this. Correct. And as I will say this, as things have have been going on now, the Beavs control their own destiny in the Pac-12. Because well, Washington's only Washington State's only lost one game. Uh, Washington State's now lost two conference games. Okay. Okay. Yep. So they're no longer uh, holding us back. They don't control anything anymore. Not when it comes for the bees. They need help to get anywhere they want to go. Hmm. Okay. The bees don't need help. They just need to play and win. Ah. All right. Well, we've droned on long enough. Beej, anything else to add? Oh, I'm just going to be getting more tacos. There you go. And I am just going to be home watching football all weekend. It's going to be great. I don't have to worry about anything. Nice. Well, I want to thank everyone for listening to show number 207 of Illegal Participation. If you'd like to comment, send a suggestion, or ask a question, there's a few ways to get in touch with us. HeinerTailgator at gmail.com, at HeinerTailgator on X, HeinerTailgator on Facebook. Remember, listen, subscribe, leave a rating or review on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Beach. Billy. Thanks for another great week. Thanks for another great tailgater. Thanks for putting the hot dogs on the grill because you're doing your job. And, uh, I look forward to uh, the next tailgater in the next three weeks. Three weeks is oh, four, four weeks. Four weeks? 
four weeks, yeah, a month. We got a little bit of a, so we essentially have a bye week for a couple weeks. Pretty much, yeah. Well, until next week, here's a great big Go Beavs. Excited in my thing, thing put in. I don't okay. know what you're putting in where. My my microphone. I don't want to know what you're doing with your microphone. Hold on here. I got to turn off this video I'm watching. Okay. Move your head. There we go. I want to look at something real quick. <clears throat> I think it did one recording when I when you before I had my um microphone in and mm-hmm. then one after when it was in. That's funny. Mm. Mm. Good. Okay. Got that. Got Kyle's picks. You ready? Yep. Not very good at my um my update from Eugene today, but it'll 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 create dialogue. Okay, so it's like usual. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Asshole. Uh, <clears throat> I've been called worse by better. Mm. Now, Oregon State will host the Maui Classic in 2023 for the seventh time with the donation. The scores remain tied at the end of the first overtime before Colorado quarterback Shadur Sanders, who racked up 400 yards and five touchdowns through the air, threw an interception in the end zone to give the Colorado um, Colorado's or, I like beer. <laughs>